Welcome. Thanks for joining us today. So glad you found us. If this is your first time, we want to extend a special welcome to you and are grateful that you're checking us out. And we certainly hope it's not your last time, but would invite you to click on the digital connection card here in the corner and let us know who you are. And if you might have a prayer request or maybe a question that we could be helpful to answer. And if this is your spiritual home, we say welcome to you also. And would remind you that you can use that same connection card to let us know anything, a prayer request or or something that you want us to know here in the office. But we're grateful for the week that's passed and looking forward to the week ahead. And in that, we'll be serving a meal next Saturday to those in our community that are underserved, uh, the community meal that takes place at St. Luke's. And if you're in the community and you want to be part of that, please look forward to an email that will uh, give you more details about time and uh, what all needs to be done. I also want to share that our presbytery, Muskingum Valley, is hosting a leadership summit. It's the first of what will be many. Much of the church in the West feels defeated. But the kingdom of God is not overcome. As the scriptures remind us, every morning God's mercies are new for God's faithfulness is great. The question before us is whether we are ready to walk into this new world and grow. Lift our hands to the light and receive the mission that God has before us. This means that business as usual is over. And it's time, it is time to rise above our past. To see the world around us and the people who are there, instead of complaining that the world isn't the way that it used to be. For God calls us forward. God calls the gospel into the world that we might stretch and run, that we might explore and embrace the mission of God that is in the world before us. It's time to get together. In ministry and mission, it is time to support one another. It is time to go. This year is go time. We're, we're gathering on February 11th from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. in Cambridge, Ohio. If you're local and would like to know more about that, to be part of it, please send an email to info at lindenroad.church and We'll get you connected. We will be carpooling from Mansfield to Cambridge, leaving about 8 a.m. Yeah, I already have a couple people signed up, but so we can make proper arrangements. Look forward to having you be part of that. We're in week three of our series, Winning the War in Your Mind. I'm using Pastor Craig Groeschel's book that came out a year or so ago by the same title. For most of us, I think, life is pretty decent, right? Yet, 
in the midst of that, I'll be honest, I know I do, and I'm sure many of us do, we can still find things to complain about. And yet we're reminded that, uh, as we've talked the last couple weeks, is that the, the mind is a, is a place that's a battlefield, and it's, it's where most of life's battles are won or lost or in our mind. This week I used the, the notes from the last couple weeks to springboard my conversation with my uh, parenting class in jail, and all the men agreed uh, that these statements are very much true about how they see life and how they experience life. And as I shared these uh, big ideas that we've talked about here, about how the, the, the life you have is often a reflection of the thoughts you think, and that also what comes into our mind ends up coming out into our life, that how we think about things and experience it then can actually cause how we react to life. And then fundamentally, we talked about this too over the last couple of weeks, that you cannot have a positive life if there's all sorts of negative things in your mind. Again, thinking about the Apostle Paul and being reminded that he wrote so much of the New Testament and all that he wants to offer us and encouragement. When we looked at these verses in our first week from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, where he talks about the patterns in our life and how to respond to them. And he says here, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and uh, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's verses 3 through 5 of chapter 10. Here in the third week of the series, in Paul's writing here in 2 Corinthians, I want to unpack our thinking about what do we do with the negative thoughts that are in our life? How do we process through those and how do we handle those? But before we get there, let's pray. God, we're grateful that you are the God of all creation and that you've created us with these amazing minds to think amazing thoughts. And yet we know there's much that comes against us. And so as we look at your scripture this morning, your word to us, may we receive all that you have for us as your people, that we would be encouraged, that we could take every thought captive to making a difference in the world through what Jesus has done. And Jesus, we pray through your Holy Spirit in this time, in your name, amen. As, as we look at this, the, the idea of negative thoughts, one of the things we have to be reminded is there is a science to our brain, and we've talked about this the last couple weeks of what's called the neural pathways. And what we learn from our understanding of the neural pathways is that the more that you think something, that you have a particular thought, the easier it is for you to think that thought again, and then even to develop a habit. Now, one of the things that Craig brings to light in his book is this understanding of what's called our cognitive biases or maybe a better way to understand that is our mental filters that we bring to bear in our life circumstance. Now, what is a cognitive bias? Well, it's a mistake in reasoning that's based on personal experiences or preferences. Basically saying that a, there's a mental filter that can be laid on life circumstances you're pushing through that impacts how you think about it and how you're experiencing it. And I see this weekly when I go into the jail. If you grew up in a situation where men were abusive around you, then as a woman, you're going to have a hard time trusting men. 
or if you heard growing up that your parents said that that rich people are bad, uh, there may be some understanding there that creates a sense of guilt uh, about how to succeed in life. And I see this too with the, the men I work with on a regular basis of they're not understanding their abilities and thinking that the system is against them and yet they have to understand the consequences of the choices they've made. But if the filters by which they think life through clouds that judgment, then it gets complicated. Because I want to suggest that the filters that we have, that they shape how you see life. We've talked about this before, about the trauma that many people experience. That that trauma can shape not so much defining you, but can shape how you respond to life circumstances. Maybe thinking that you're all alone or, or that you're on your own and that there's nobody there to help you process what life can be for you. And maybe a good example of this is how in our social media platforms, Facebook story and Instagram story, you're actually able to take a picture and then put a filter over it. And that filter allows you to change the contrast and the color, and you can add a sticker or two also. It's kind of crazy. But it changes the perspective, and it changes how people see your life uh, and what you've shared. And so is this idea that we want to unpack, this cognitive bias, I want to suggest that it's basically a default filter that we all react with as primary. It, it's how we're pre-wired, if you will, to interpret life circumstances. Well, and it's why uh, two people can respond to the same situation differently. Uh, it's not that the facts are different. It's how they filter those facts. And a couple examples might be this, is that two people can be called into the office for feedback on job performance. And one person can be totally offended by the fact that they've been called out and and just have no margin for being held accountable, where another person in the same circumstance who's called in for feedback on their job performance can say, man, thanks, I really appreciate the, the insight. Or when we think about the church, there are, can be times where people come into the building and they're like, man, this is, you know, this, these people are just hypocrites and uh, they're judgmental and all that. A different person can then come into the same church and feel the presence of God. And again, it has to do with their life experience and the things that they've encountered. Think about the news sources that we have available to us. And yet, within those news sources, there are, it can be the same story. And yet, how we interpret that gives different perspective, the filter we bring. I, I think of the story in Scripture of Numbers chapter 13 and 14 with Moses, where he sends in the 12 spies to explore out the land, the promised land. And what's amazing in that story is he has uh, two spies, right? Caleb and Joshua. And we talked about how those are names that we know, right? There's kids actually named after those men because they were faithful. And they came and said, man, this place, this promised land is beautiful beyond measure. And we need to go take it. We need to make it ours. And yet there's the other 10 uh, spies who their perspective on the same thing is like, oh, this is not a good thing. We shouldn't even be thinking about this, that the land is filled with giants and we're going to get crushed like grasshoppers. And now the truth is that the facts weren't different. The facts were, were the same for, 
for both groups, yet it was the filter of how they processed through it. But also what comes out of Craig's book as he talks about this and thinking about the science of how our brains work is that it's not just the filter that we bring, but it's also how we frame things. You can have the same situation and how you frame it will determine how you see it. And it, this comes out of uh, Craig's own experience in therapy. So it, I'm not trying to be a therapist here, but it's a, a tool that he learned and, and shares. And I, and I think this could be very helpful to us today. We call it reframing. And basically what reframing is, it's creating a different way of looking at a situation or a relationship by changing its meaning. Again, we've talked about this, that you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. And so that's the thing I want us to unpack today. I mean, think about it. All of us have wanted something in life, right? And yet we've experienced the exact opposite. I mean, we know people, and maybe this is your story, where you've worked hard, you've got uh, you know, your terminal degree in your area of expertise or study, and then the next thing you know, you find out that you're overqualified for a job. I know one person who recently has uh, lost two different jobs uh, because they said he's overqualified, and yet this person's capacity is great. His experience is broad, but it's not in the right area. And so he's uh, now looking for another job. Or I think there are those that have dreamed uh, for a great marriage. I see this so many times. People marry their, their sweetheart, and then seasons of life come at them, and they end up divorced. And as I share regularly with those that are walking through those kinds of difficult life decisions, that... I know they didn't dream that this is how their life would turn out. And so looking at how to reframe the perspective, I think, is really important. The idea, too, that maybe for all of us, that uh, this point in your life, wherever you are, that you expected it to look a lot different than it does, uh, for whatever reason. I think many people are struggling to try to understand it right now. I know those that are pastor, like myself, it's, it's been complicated and saw recently that George Barna released a survey saying that 50% of pastors in the last two years have thought about resigning. And I, I totally get that. And yet we, we look at Scripture, and we, we want to turn to Paul again this morning, because Paul, when he was Saul in the Roman context, carried all sorts of authority and prestige. And then he moves over into, and then he encounters Jesus, and comes to a whole different perspective. And what's interesting, he goes uh, from being a, a preacher, if you will, to becoming a prisoner. Let's unpack that story together. Paul could have framed his situation using what's the, the national whiner's version of Scripture, which that doesn't exist, but uh, just for the sake of, of his perspective, he could have said, in Philippians, as he's talking about his being in prison, he could have said, now I, I want you all to know, my brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me really sucks. And as a result of all that I've been through, I'm quitting. I'm quitting church, and you know what? I'm never coming back. Well, that, that good thing is that's not what he said. What's amazing that he said, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Now, wait a minute. 
he's in he's in prison and this is just kind of crazy but he goes on to say as a result of what's happened to him it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and everyone else that i am in chains for christ that's just wow right now as we look at that and we think about that story most people would think this is not a good thing to be in jail to be actually in prison and to be in chains and yet what Paul does is he frames it as something that is good, something that is useful and beneficial. Why? Well, because he's, he's chained to the influential uh, Roman guards, which means every eight hours things are changing for him, and he is actually able to proclaim the gospel to a whole new group of people. And he goes on to say in verse 14, And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Wow, that's just amazing things to think about from Paul's perspective, right? He's reframed his circumstance. And so what I want us to look at today is how do we reframe our story and our relationships? I have three things I want to share. Uh, first of all, we want to thank God for what didn't happen, what the bad things are. Uh, it's interesting, Craig Groeschel tells a story in the book Pastor Craig tells a story in the book about a girl who comes to her parents and says, I need to talk to you, and I've got something bad I need to share, so I need you to sit down and just hear me out all the way through. And so she tells her parents that she met a guy at a bar, and she ended up hooking up with him and getting pregnant. And she said, but it's okay in that one way is that he is going to be on probation for over a year, and that once he gets out of rehab, he's going to start looking for a job. And then he's actually thinking about marrying me, uh, yet, just so you know, we can't afford that right now, so he's just going to move in. And then she says, wait, wait, that's just, uh, that's not really true. But uh, what I do want to share is that I got a D in chemistry, and I just want you to know that it could have been a lot worse, right? So it's about reframing it, of understanding. And right, none of us want to have difficult things happen to us. Think about it, we know people who maybe have missed their goals or their performance level at work and that they didn't get their bonus, but at least they didn't lose their job. Or I can remember as a young uh, new driver that I wrecked my car, took out the front fender on my amazing Chevy Blazer. My parents didn't want me to turn it in on their insurance. And at least they said nobody was hurt, even though I was going to have to pay to get the car fixed. So when we think about those kinds of circumstances and the bigger things of life, uh, we know that it's not a big deal, right? At least for most things. And so, again, the first idea is that we need to thank God for what didn't happen. But then we need to practice this idea of uh, framing. And so this idea that our thoughts or the, how we frame things, that they're going to shape how we experience life. Things can be so hard, we can figure out a way to uh, make it fun. Just this week, working with Advocates for Families helped take a group of mentees and mentors. Uh, there were about 35 of us roller skating. Now, I haven't been roller skating in like a long time, and I much prefer riding my bicycle because I can control certain things there. That roller skating is like I have no balance. But I leaned into it, and it was fun to watch even some of the other adult mentors lean into it, too. There's even one amazing mentor who works at the university. He is an impressive athlete in so many different ways. 
even he struggled on the roller skates. So I did my lap, uh, didn't fall down once, uh, but then did watch as the rest of the mentees, and particularly these are young people who are working through some difficulties in life, and that's why they're in the program. But it was cool to watch them lean in and watch some of the adult mentors who move from not quite sure if they can stand up like I felt, and I only made it one lap, and then I, I took my skates off and took some pictures. But I watched the others that there was a confidence that began as they leaned into it. And it, I think it was really the idea of reframing it. I think this is a great example. Again, it's a simple thing, but it, we reframe what happens. First of all, we thank God for what didn't happen in our circumstance, and then we reframe it. And then the third thing is we look for God's goodness. Too many times what we want to see is the bad, the negative, and the challenges, and yet really what we want to see, uh, what we really desire to see, the good and the things that are positive and the opportunities that come in front of us. Many times when I am presented with a, quote, problem, someone will come and say, whether it's here at the church or in other venues, it's like, we have a problem. It's like, no, we have an opportunity. Let's reframe it as a way to learn some new things and some new perspective. It's interesting, Pastor Craig talks about a therapeutic understanding, what's called cognitive reframing, which is basically where we are empowered to decide a new meaning. And truthfully, what it is is to let Jesus help us decide what the meaning can be. I'm reminded in this regards, when we think about when life is complicated. In 2011, a series of tornadoes went through Alabama, and I took a group of young people, along with some adults, to do some recovery work there. And we met up with a friend of mine, Paul Turner, who was a youth pastor at a church in Pleasant Grove, Alabama, just north of Tuscaloosa. And Paul's church that had been in the community for almost 200 years, they had two physical plants. It was located on a north-south road. A family life center, gymnasium, was on the west side of the road, and the, the sanctuary and the education building was on the east side of the road. And we saw that the tornado had totally leveled both buildings. It's interesting, as we worked through the rubble, and I actually have a brick and a piece of wood that I brought back to remind me, it sits in my office on the corner of my desk, as a, sort of an Ebenezer of sorts of how God shows up, learned that as they removed all the debris of both those buildings, as they took their insurance settlement and began to pray what God would do with it, that they decided as a church not to build two new buildings, but rather they ended up moving a couple of blocks closer to their downtown of that community, and they bought a strip mall. And in that strip mall, they built a new worship center and renovated part of the strip mall, but they had so much space left over that they were able to create a food pantry and a clothing bank, as well as meeting space for the community. And the most amazing thing was they were able to take the remaining monies that they had saved by not rebuilding and by renovating, and they put that into an endowment to help with the operational side of the church. Again, they took this amazing difficulty, the challenge in front of them, and they reframed it, as uh, Craig Groeschel talks about how important that is. As we look at our own life story, as you think about where we've been over the last uh, couple years and we're rethinking some things, even the opportunities that we've had as a church, when I think about how difficult COVID was when we all pivoted to you know, being in our homes and not being together, how we now have this platform where we now provide on a 
on a weekly basis our message. I'm grateful for your faithfulness to follow along and I'm always interested to know how we could be of more help to you. And so please use, again, the digital connection card up here in the corner and just let us know what needs you might have. But to be reminded, as we've talked about over these last many months especially, is that if we start from the perspective that God works in all things for our good, out of Romans there that Paul reminds us, that what we need to do as his people is to reject the unhealthy default frames that we tend to move into. The idea as human beings where we think that we're losers or that we're failures or that we're just not smart. And we need to reframe that as God's people to be where we actively interpret what God is doing in our midst. Let me say it a different way. And so again, this idea of reframing is where we are not passively receiving the circumstance, but that we're actively interpreting it. I think that's really, really important. That we're not just interpreting the God that we know through the circumstances, but that we're actually interpreting our circumstances through the goodness of God. Again, my friend Paul, how in the conversation with his church leaders decide that yes, this was a horrible thing and people's lives were lost, but yet the beauty of what the tornado did was it allowed them to reframe their place within the community and they are now a flourishing church in a whole new way. I think that's really important. And yet, when we think about our own story, right, or we think about the Apostle Paul's story, I think it's true for both of us that what has actually happened to you uh, has actually happened in a way that can advance the gospel of Jesus Christ in a whole new way. And so the big idea as we wrap up this week is to remind you that you can't control what happens to you but you can control how you frame it. And so let's pray. God, we are grateful that if we can look through your lenses and as we walk in your word to understand life in a whole new way and help us be a people who do reframe what happens and how to interpret actively what you're doing and not miss it. We're grateful, Jesus, for the life you give us and we pray through your Holy Spirit now. Amen.